0: Hello, everyone. Welcome back. My name is Jeff Mendelson and this is the One Big Tip Podcast. My guest today is Ahmed El Samadisi. Ahmed is the founder and CEO of Narrator, a data modeling platform that allows data, uh, actually allows data teams to answer questions and make business-critical decisions in minutes, focusing on data, data analysis, engineering, and science. Before Narrator, Ahmed joined WeWork as the first hire on their data team. He also worked as an AI engineer for missile defense systems and for self-driving cars. Before founding Narrator, Ahmed uh, graduated from startup uh, accelerator Y Combinator and was named a member of the Forbes 30 under 30 list in 2021. Very excited to have you today, Ahmed. Thank you so much for joining me and
1: welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here and excited to share a tip.
0: (laughs) Yeah, beautiful. So, you know, I was very impressed by your background. It seems that you've worked in, you know, some of the coolest startups around. And, you know, you've been doing all this great, you know, all of this great stuff that is, you know, working in big data and is going to have a profound effect on everybody's life, right? Because that's what big data is all about. Tell us a little bit about who you are and what makes you so amazing.
1: Well, I'll tell you who I am and you can decide if that makes me amazing or not. At its core, I think I'm just a person who became really obsessed with how people make decisions and that obsession has just kind of unfolded in so many different ways. So starting with AI and figuring out how robots can make decisions similar to humans, to self-driving cars, to missile defense, to how do we make decisions with data, to all of that uh, coming together at Narrator. Where we're not just about giving you a platform for you to do data, but we're about helping you and kind of guiding you to make the best decision. And that puts us in a really interesting place with how do we ensure your data is correct to how do we help you ask the right question to how do we get you to answer the right question in the right way to how do we help you understand the analysis to how do we convince you of the analysis to then how do we get you to take action based on it? And I think that puts us in a very unique place because. Most other data tools kind of leave that open-ended. Everything is on you, so that's kind of what I've been doing. And we kind of focus on the psychology of it, the human aspect of it, data aspect, and all of it seamlessly come together to create an experience that we love.
0: You know what's interesting about big data, you know, and I try to explain this to you know to different people, right? Is that it is all around us all the time, right? You turn on your phone, you you know, you look for something on Google Maps it automatically knows where I am, more or less what I'm trying to do and where I need to go and plotting the best way to get there. Right. And even if I'm in a foreign country, right, let's say, for example, I need to get to a shopping mall called, uh, I don't know, the train station, right? I can type in the word train station and it'll know that train station and that language and still bring me to the right part. That doesn't happen automagically someone actually needed to program that put in the syntax put in the you know just the uh, you know how the computer could figure out like okay well this is what he really wants right he doesn't want to just go to any train station Wants to go to some you know some specific place how do you explain big data and data analysis to people that uh, maybe aren't as in tune just how powerful these devices and the information that we have available today is Uh, how do you explain that to people
1: Yeah. So actually it's really funny because big data came from a big data initiative. And the idea was to make big decisions with data. And it's kind of been like really weirdedly in the, in the media to be like, you need big data and terabytes of data. No, that's not what you need. Data is information and information can be used to make better decisions. So simply understanding from, you come from a marketing background, just which ad source is getting customers to come to our site and Really, which ad source is getting customers to stay in our site. The idea of making big decisions with data is really not looking at individual customers, but seeing kind of overall how people are behaving and what gets your customer to make the decisions that you want. And you're kind of like really unfolding and kind of like peeling the onion back in layers. So you can start with just basic ideas and just like, how are you doing over time? To like, what's my cost per acquisition? To... Well, which ads are giving me a lot of clicks that I'm paying for, but those people are just bouncing right away because like they're like kind of, what's called like accidental clicks or misclicks. Two, like who's giving me the right audience? All these kind of questions is about you getting more specific and more detailed in making a more specific decision that affects your customer. And that's kind of what I always think about big data is, is don't worry too much about the data, worry about the decision, And think about what is the inputs that you need to make that big decision.
0: So what I'm hearing you say then is it starts with the question that you're asking and then figuring out how to get there. I mean, is that accurate?
1: Yeah. So I think so many of the insights that you've seen in the world come out did not come out from data. It came out of a question. And I think that the idea, like there's no system that you shove data in and it just goes... Boom. Here's answers. If you, when we used Watson at WeWork, it was like the best way to reduce churn is reduce people submitting the move out form. And we're like, Oh cool. Yeah, that's also true. That's uh, yeah, that's an interesting situation. Well, what am I supposed to do with that? So there's a lot of like that fun fact in data, like put everything in a machine learning model and see what comes up. Usually it's trash. The idea here is what is the decision that you're trying to make and how can data guide it? My old professor used to always say, all of like all of data is color coding and ordering an Excel sheet. That's all of data. It's all of AI, which is how do I prioritize for you what's important and how do I help you understand the scale? So like, if you're thinking about, should I invest my time in getting more women or getting more elderly? And I can tell you like the conversion rates i am giving you as a scale of where to dedicate your energy. And that's what data is about. So all good data starts with a good question. And a good question leads to a good analysis, which leads to a good decision. And that's what's the most important thing. That's what we like to focus on.
0: I love that you brought that up, that, you know, a machine isn't going to learn on its own. You know, you don't just stick a kid in school and expect it to learn on its own. And, you know, lo and behold, he's 18 years old, graduated from high school, and it's all good. No, there were a lot of other inputs that were coming in there that were helping to mold you know, the mold, the direction to where you wanted to, you know, to answer the question that you're talking about, right? And one of the things I find fascinating in, you know, what you just validated was that it doesn't require this massive amount of, let's just call it metadata, you know, like as I'm scrolling through my Facebook feed, whether I stopped on this particular picture or I just kept on going or whether I turned the app off and turned it on again, you know, there there have been all kinds of visualizations like that. But the fact of the matter is, you know, for a, for, you know, let's just take a digital marketing agency, which is, which is closer to home for me. It's not like I need to go and get this massive like you said terabytes of data just to figure some things out. Really what it comes down to is the question, like what am I trying to get to? And then what are these tools giving me, right? So like the Google Ads manager or the Facebook Ads manager, you know, like what what can those tools give me to to help me get to the uh, you know, to the bottom of that question. Where do you see things go a little bit sideways? You know, like if they you know, like if you ask the question, but maybe that question isn't a hundred percent on point, I would imagine that if you don't have good investigative skills and you don't ask the questions correctly, this data can take you on a weird tangent. Right. So, you know, using the WeWork example, let's just hide the move out submission form. Yeah. There've been companies that have done that, you know, but it's not necessarily the right thing to do. How can you help companies not go down that rabbit hole of chasing information that may not be relevant to them?
1: Yeah. So two ways. One is we enable people, the way you ask a question is you must first have correct and accurate data that you trust, and you must be able to get down to the individual customer journeys. So Narrator, when we built Narrator. The idea was to build something you can trust, something that you can get build that intuition, something that makes sense and has that intuitive nature, so you can like see an aggregate number like a conversion rate and be able to dive into like ten examples of each customer and see how did that happen. Uh, when you when you're using tools like Facebook Ad Manager and Google Ad Managers, they are lying to you. They are incentivized for you to give them money. So when you ask Google how well Google did at getting you a like a return it's going to be like oh we gave you a great return it's like asking a kid what do you want your grade to be and the kid's going to be like a plus like they don't know so i think about when you come to uh, think about questions and answers you got to think about where what's the incentive of the tool to get you to answer the data so first of all being aware of like the fact that all these different tools are very misleading Words are very misleading. These like, especially Facebook, like notoriously been sued every single year for lying about its metrics or using words that are deliberately misleading, um, users. When you do your own analysis and what we kind of do at narrators, we kind of try to nudge you into being very clear about your question and building a tool that enables you to get that clarity in the question and the clarity in the answer. So if you were to say like, how does the move out form impact likelihood to churn, narrator would be like, it's not rec- actionable. It might impact it, but it's not an actionable recommendation. And the reason why it's not actionable is because like 90% of people who like leave have submitted the move out form and we don't see the opposite. So we don't see people who don't submit the move out form who leave and people and therefore narrator by explaining it in a story and in English, it's able to deduct that reasoning and help you understand oh this is not a good feature this is not actually something i can act upon so we look at that as like in every degree with how do you input the question to make sure that your question is very clear and it's actually what you want to how do we analyze the question to how do we give you that intuition by giving you example customers and you can watch what they did to the final analysis not being is this statistically significant but is it actionable and to be actionable there's like seven more things that you want to check that you can know you can act upon it so I think it's, it's the job of the platform to enable those kind of details.
0: I'm glad that you brought up that point about uh, being actionable. And you alluded to you know, like say, you know, some other data points that uh, you need to look at in order to see if you can, in fact, take action on it. How does that work? How does the AI figure out what is actionable to me but may not be actionable to someone else?
1: So it's about one of the things that Narrative does is that it standardizes all of data. So by having data in a common format with common assumptions, it allows you to reason about data. So what we're actually doing is not like having a machine come up with the answer. What we've done is we've been able to build a way to capture how a data analyst will deduce a decision. So data analysts might come in and they will, like in one example, one analysis that we have available, data analysts might deduce like, let me check if my overall conversion rate has been consistent. Okay, I see it was up and now it t- it is dropping. Okay, well, I know that this data now in my old days is different than my new days. So I have to throw away this data and focus on currently what's happening. Okay, so now I figured out that it's like the last 262 days is when it's been consistent. Now I'm going to use that data. Then I have to deduce the way that an analyst would do. Let me see the distribution of the features, like how it happens. Let me check if that feature, not only in aggregation has been statistically significant, but has it been consistent so I can make sure it's reliable. So if I was to do an experiment every week, I see that the data still continues to be consistent. Then I check statistical significance. Then I check, okay, what percent of our users are being there? If I see a consistent percent of our users, and it's like 95% of our users are doing one action, not really actionable, you're not gonna make that much of a difference. Then I can simulate the impact of what would it be, and I can make my recommendation. So it's all these additional steps that are, happening. Not only that, this whole analysis needs to rerun every single week and needs to rethink through it every week because every week your customer is changing. So we see this all the time. Like some group, let's say viewing the pricing page is, is leading to higher conversion. So we're pushing people to view the pricing page and your overall conversion rate is going up. And then it actually starts having a counter effect where people start shoving everyone to the pricing page because your users are like your team as it sees the metric go up, might start hacking it. And there's a great book like, Tyranny of Metrics that explains that. And then narrator will email you, hey, that assumption you made has been flipped. Actually viewing the pricing page is now having a negative effect. So think about every question you've ever asked, every analysis you've ever done. You need to be observing that over time and continuing to monitor it to actually be able to make that one good decision.
0: One of the visuals that I had as you were going through that explanation was the uh, the problems that Zillow had, you know, in the housing market. Because they had this whole program where they would buy homes based off of an algorithm, based on this anticipated, like they were expecting the prices to go up. And actually, I was one of the lucky recipients to be able to purchase a home while their data was tanking them, right? So what yeah. happened? You know, like they thought that they were going to get this really big return, but guess what? You know, the appraiser comes back, you know, $50,000 left. And they had to eat it, you know, and that was like, all right, cool. Win for me. Right. But what happened was, you know, as we're trying to figure this out, like I, you know, I dug deep. I was trying to figure out like, okay, why did Zillow do this in the first place? And how did they end up in that position and what are they doing now? And one of the interesting things was, well, we just went through a pandemic, right? Which monkeyed with everybody's, uh, you know, with everybody's assumptions. And, you know, it wasn't a rational market you know, for them to be in, it was, uh, there were all kinds of these other factors that maybe data scientists like yourselves, weren't able to plug into the software, you know, as quick as possible. What do you see as, you know, some of those factors that could go and mess up your data and mess up the AI and cause you to have these inconclusive results?
1: Yeah. So I actually blame the algorithm. That's just shitty algorithms. Like you don't see that in cars, you can't be like, oh, something happened. And then somebody did a random motion and now the car hit them, like, that's not what good algorithms do. That's called a shitty algorithm. And what's happening now in the industry is that everyone is like shoving in machine learning models and hoping it sticks out. And then the machine learning model is being trained and it's not under human understandable. You're like, I don't know. It's making decisions. The AI decided. And the human being is not reasoning about whether that makes sense or not. And then what happens is that the AI starts doing shitty and they go retrain it, just retrain it, just retrain it on your data. That's just like, to me, like a failure of a data team and a failure of data science. Proper data analysis and proper data algorithms should be you are making your assumptions based on like learning something. Like I said, right, I might say that viewing the pricing page might help. I've taken all these pieces of analyses that help me deduce that these are the six features that I'm going to use to power my algorithm. Now, all these six assumptions need to be retested. You don't need to retrain your algorithm. The features themselves need to be decided on. And that's important. And you need to consistently check if those features are still driving the value that you expected. Like this doesn't happen in AI. That happens in shitty machine learning approaches that people are doing black boxes. Like you don't see this in cars. you don't see this in missile defense. You don't see this in robotics. You don't see this in like, a lot of the things that have to reason about it because they're designed to be fault tolerant. Like they're not designed to allow it. And people like to blame, oh, random, the world, the world's fully random. It's just Zillow failed. And it's actually not just Zillow. I've seen so many companies try to shove their data into a machine learning model and then tank. And nowadays there's like a rise of companies that are like, we're going to monitor your machine learning model. So when it tanks, we let you know, it's like, you're just duct taping the same, same problem after the same problem. We've spent hundreds of years of changing the world and making decisions and creating so many innovations by doing quality data analysis and having the humans think, and you can't just outsource a human thinking to a computer because the computer will keep retraining and it just will blow up somewhere because you forgot to give it a feature or something. That's just not how computers work. And you need always, 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 always to think about your core analysis. What is driving your decisions? And then how do you continue to check that those things that you're driving your decisions continue to be valid? Because it's really easy to be just tossed aside and really just fuck up. You've seen this so many times, company after company after company. I can name like 30 of people just doing poor analysis and you hire like a data scientist, they shove an algorithm, like, look, it works. I got a 98% accuracy. And you're like, what does that even mean? Is it doing what I want? Yeah, 98% like, yeah, you- accurate. Yeah, and getting the old data to behave based on the model that you trained on the old data. Go, th- go put that in production. Let me see what happens. Go go ahead. And you see that you, you put it in production and you see that, like, it sucks. And you're like, what's going on? And then you, you have this illusion. Oh, just wait, it'll be trained. No, it doesn't get trained. It's a failure of design. And that's the problem. And that's why we built Narrator to be fundamentally different.
0: What kind of case study or, you know, what kind of... Um what can you tell us about a uh, about a company that has used your approach and it was a success? They were able to really increase their, you know, the value of the company, improve sales. Talk to us a little bit about how someone can use it and has had a successful outcome using your software.
1: Yeah, so I'll give you two sides. I'll give you one side of a situation where someone has been able to accelerate their development. And the other side is someone has been able to make decisions that affect their business severely. So... First side is we worked with a company, I think it's case studies public, so Code Academy, and they were answering questions and their SLA was six weeks. Every time somebody submitted a question to the data team, it took six weeks to get an answer. By using narrator's approach and using narrator's approach uh, software, you can actually answer questions significantly faster. And they were able to reduce that time from six weeks to one day. The SLA today is one day. Every question comes in, they can answer instantly. The second side is an analysis. When people ask questions, we see this a lot, but people often love like, how many times does someone have to use my product to get hooked? And we've seen customers do this with like one company that, that helps with sa- as a sales tool, found that they need three recordings. And they said that as their company goal. And it was like the company goal wasn't to get people to try the product or do this or do this and a million things that they hypothesized. It was just to get people to their third call. And they increased their retention rate by like 32% by just getting people to a third call. We had another customer realized that the most important thing is like, it was like a more data gap was to match within some time. If you get a first match within X number of days, you're more likely to continue using the app. So it's these kind of decisions that you can ask, like how, many, how does the number of calls impact likelihood to retain? Like narrative really can figure that out, can deduce the right answer, can give you the exact thing that you need and you're able to iterate. And if if it like happens to be in a month that it's no longer, the number is not like three, it's now four or five, narrative will let you know as it's making decisions, as adjusting to your customer's behavior. You might be growing and you're getting more customers from different places and now they're changing their behavior. So these are kind of examples of just one, providing speed and being able to answer questions and two, providing quality in decision-making.
0: All right, cool. Thank you so much for that. Ahmed, where can people learn more about your company and how can they reach out to you directly?
1: Yeah, so I'm pretty active on LinkedIn. So you can come on LinkedIn, message me, add me, friend me. I'm always excited if you have a question that you're trying, struggling to answer or are interested in just knowing how you can answer questions in Narrator, I'm there. You can go on our website, narrator.ai, or we just changed it to be narratordata.com. And then finally, Uh, you can email me directly at ahmed at narrator.ai. I'm always here to take questions and help. So I'm excited to kind of hear from you all.
0: Amazing. Uh, Ahmed, thank you so much. joining me this is uh it's been a lot of fun i love nerding out on this stuff right (laughs) especially talking about things that are way above my head but you know something it's uh it's an intensely interesting subject and i'm really glad that the you know like the tools are coming down to you know that normal people can use instead of it just being in some computer room somewhere so thank you so much for joining me
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Thank you so much for listening to the One Big Tip podcast. If you're a six to eight figure entrepreneur, business coach, or speaker who would like to be on this show, we need to talk.